in the summer, we did this amazing series called Story, and we just told stories. We got to, to hear people's story. We got to hear where they came from. We got to hear kind of the good, bad, and the ugly about all of it and how God has redeemed and reconciled and work and is continuing to work through. And one of those stories was Roe Archer, who has become just such a dear friend. But we kind of left you hanging with something at the end of that, if you remember. If you're new, we're going to tell you what it's about. But one of the things that we left you at kind of the end of her story was something that we as a church were going to dive into. And we've kind of coined that now as DI, which is short for Diversity Initiative. And it's something that we uh, wanted to dive into. We wanted to really, to use today's term, we wanted to chase after, not just as individuals, but as a church. And so that is underway. So today I want to give you an update on that because we told you that was coming. And now we're really about two months in on some things. So tell us, for anybody that wasn't here and for those that don't know, tell us what Diversity Initiative is, what it's about, what we've done so far, and then we're going to get into like some action steps here. Okay. So. All right, so the DI is just a bunch of us meeting together just to pray. So we have had three meetings so far, and all we did was just pray. We cast visions, uh, we told stories, uh, we told experience, we told how God is speaking to us and how God's leading our church. I have my phone because I have to take notes. Um, so we did, we did a lot of that. Um, it's been stretching us as a church. It's been stretching our relationship. It's been making us come together and say, hey, that didn't sound right. Hey, but I love you, I value you, and I value your opinion, but this is hard. And so it's been amazing. Um, I talked to someone earlier, and we shared our, our true feelings, and it's, it's great. Um, no hard feelings. We're growing, and, and God is doing something great. And so in the midst of that, the DEI is very important to me, not just because it's adversity, it's because it's important to God. It's God's heart. It's God's design for the church. God wants to see the church colorful, and so that's why it's important to me. And so one of the scriptures that Jason loves so passionately about, the, and he refers it back to the DI, is Revelation 7-9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. I love that. I love that that's the church. That's who we are. And so I quote this, um, one of my favorite quotes. It came out of a book that I was reading, and it's so, it speaks to the depths of my heart. If the kingdom of heaven isn't segregated, why on earth is the church? So with that being said, um, we're just praying. We're asking God to lead this church. Um, Jason said something powerful in one of the meetings. He said the DI is important to him. It's important to Wellhouse. It's becoming our focus. It's becoming who we are. And so I love that. And um, God is still doing something great. And so some of the things we're planning um, is still in, in the works. Um, I'll be announcing those soon. But there is going to be a book study on Be the Bridge that's coming up November 10th um, at the Wellhouse Church from 1.30 to 3.30. There's a sign-out sheet outside if you want to sign up. But believe that God is doing something in the midst of the DI. We don't have a lot of details. We're just praying and planning and praying and planning and casting vision. So, yes, that's the update. Yeah, and, you know, and what's so important in that row is, is, you know, we talked about this in our last meeting. And uh, it's the why. You know, and, and when we really begin to explore the why, it's not because there's some sort of political correctness pressure put on us. It's not because, you know, it's the, 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 the right or the cool thing to do in our culture right now to, you know, to be that reconciliation. It's a God thing. Yes. It's a kingdom thing. You know, I, 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 it's kind of, if we want to look past and present and future, you know, the future is that scene in Revelation where it's described that heaven is filled 
with this throne room. It's a singular room. It's not multiple rooms. It's not satellited over. to. It, it, it's this throne room where every people group, every nation, every tribe is gathered. But I want to throw it back for a second. If you remember in Genesis, we were created, every single one of us, we are created in the image of God, meaning that every single person that's described in the end, in this heaven, is also there in the beginning and is created in the image of God. So I was just thinking this week as, as we, I don't know, as I just do, I just think, and, and now I'm thinking out loud, but if we're created in the image of God, and that's the picture of us as the body gathered in, 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 in the throne room of God, I can't help but think that the church is incomplete in its current, if not everyone who is made in the image of God and who will be gathered with God is not present in the room at the current with God. Amen. And so to me, it's, it's the why is because, guys, Wellhouse will never be complete, will not be the complete kingdom picture, the, 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 the view that, that God had of church until it's diverse. And so we're not going to rest on that because we believe that everyone is an image bearer and we believe that everyone was created with equal image and that everyone will be reunited. And so you know what? We're just going to get a head start on it. It's a kingdom thing, and so it's not because it's something cool to do, and, oh, wouldn't it be great that we can tell all our friends that we go to church with black people and Asian people? No, it's because it's the right thing. It's the God thing. It's the kingdom thing, and so that's why we're chasing after this, and so there, like she said, there's a group that is, is chasing hard after this, and we want to invite you to the table if you're just hearing about this. We're going to be meeting next Sunday, and we do all of our meetings at the Wellhouse offices, and if you're not on our newsletter, if you're not on social media, especially the Wellhouse community, Community page. Get on those because we're announcing what's going on there, but we're also updating what's going on there. And so you're invited to that conversation next Sunday at 1.30. You can grab lunch, come back to the offices. And, and it's just that. It's a conversation with God where we're, we're just laying out our heart to God. But it's beginning to morph into some conversation among us. And like you said, we're telling stories and, and we're kind of correcting each other along the way. And we've just set the ground rules. You know what? There's no, there's no stupid questions. There's no bad questions. There are offensive questions, but we call those out and we move on and we grow and we stretch. And so there's lots of ways, again, that you can begin to tiptoe. One of the things that, that I want to mention is I just want you to begin praying, praying for your role in this, praying that God will, will show us and empower us, equip us, that he will. It's, it's a lot of what we're going to be talking about in just a second with the chase today, but God begins to shape and mold how we see the world, how we see people, and how we see the void that is in this room. And so that's what we're working towards. So if nothing else, just begin to pray, maybe engage in that conversation. We're going to be doing a, a more in-depth study, like she said, and it's going to be some heavy lifting, and it's going to cause you to take a real hard look in the mirror, and we're going to be doing that, and maybe that's not your thing yet. We're also talking about doing some things for Goodlettsville Middle School and lots of other things that just going to create some, some kind of hands and feet moment, but also some heart and head moments. And so all of those things we feel like as we cast those out will hopefully hit everybody somewhere that will make you want to be a part of this. And uh, I kind of, I kind of, I guess I'm just going to lead pastor for a second. If, if you're not there today, I pray that you get there. But if you're in a place where you absolutely hate the idea and don't want to get there, just find another place because this is not the place and we are going to chase this, and we're going to go after this. You know, I got to, to visit with a family yesterday, 
uh, who, who is experiencing significant loss, Steve Ledbetter, who if you don't know the name, you know who he is. He's our motorcycle guy. Uh, passed away on Friday night, and uh, he has taught me so much in this because he's taught me how to see people. He's taught me that everyone is valuable, and there's something to be seen, and there's something to be valued, and there's something to be believed in about everyone. And so that's what we're doing. So that's the DI, and that's why it matters, and and uh, that's kind of what's next. And so stay tuned. And man, I just pray that God grows this passion in your heart and and those sorts of things. I'm, I'm grateful for you. I'm so thankful that, you know, for those that don't know, Roe kind of came to me. You know, I didn't go to Roe and say, hey, you know, we're kind of in need of this. No, she came and said, hey, I want to partner with you because we, we've got to chase this. And I said, well, it's been on my notepad, but I didn't know how to start. And, and it was such an answered prayer back in June. And so I'm grateful for you. I want to pray for us. Yes, and then I'm going to ask, will you pray for us? Yes, and then we'll kind of uh, move into the next yes. uh, part of the chase. Yes. Father, this morning. We need. We're gonna need you in this, and uh, we we're gonna we're gonna do our best to do the next right thing. We're gonna do our best to open our hearts and minds, and and God, that's gonna require us to be truthful about some things. It's gonna require us to become uh, aware of some things. It's gonna require us to both internalize and externalize some things. It's gonna it's gonna cause us to to have to be intentional in some areas that we either are, are prejudiced toward or we're fearful of or we're ignorant of. And so, God, we're just going to need you. We're going to need spirit to give us something within us that is going to make us uh, be courageous enough and intentional enough and loving enough and gracious enough to step into this, this realm. But, God, we have to. We have to because we are not complete. We are an incomplete entity. We're an incomplete body if all of those who bear your image aren't a part of it. And so, Father, we want to make sure that we continue to work toward not just being welcoming, but, God, that we work toward really becoming family, becoming one. And uh, that's the beauty of Jesus is that he ties all of this together. And it's the beauty that when Jesus looks, he doesn't just see black and white. He sees those things because he created those things, but he sees them as one. And so, Father, we pray that you continue to work in us and work through this. And, and for some of us, it'll be easier than others. And so, Father, I pray that we uh, get to encourage one another along the way. We get to uh, just, just pull each other if that's the need or push each other or, again, just be gracious to one another as we seek how to do this and, and that we seek how to be genuine in it, that, God, it doesn't come across as, as something we're supposed to do, but, God, something we want to do because we feel like, again, something is missing. We feel incomplete. And so, Father, I just pray that as this thing has already begun, that you'll continue to, to grow it, grow it in our hearts, but also grow it in numbers. I pray that there are more people that is, than there is room in our offices to, to put around tables that want to be a part of the conversation. So, Father, just, again, so grateful for uh, individuals and, and daughters of yours like Roe, who is so interested in this, who, who could easily run to somewhere else and find people who look like her, but she says, no, I want to I stick in because, again, I feel this incomplete. And so thank you for her. Thank you for her heart. Thank you for her leadership. And uh, just thank you for her being willing to be patient and loving as we, uh, we learn how to do this together. God, we, we say this a lot, but we are better together. And so God, help us to, to be the best version of your church that we can be in this moment of time and in this space. And God, I pray this through your son's name.
Father God, I echo everything that my brother Jason has spoken over our church. Father God, I thank you for Jason saying yes. I thank you for his leadership. I thank you for the way that he's chasing after your son, Jesus. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will hover over our church. I pray that your Holy Spirit will lead us into one. I pray that we will become the community that everybody wants to be a part of. Father God, I pray that you will make our church colorful. I pray that you will soften our hearts towards those that don't look like us. I pray that you will help us to love those who doesn't, who is hard to love. Father God, I pray that you will give us discernment. I pray that you will open up our eyes. I pray that you will increase our strength and love and grace and kindness. Help us, Father God, to grow into the church that you have called us to be. Help us to grow into the leaders that you have called us to be. Help us to start those hard conversations. As I pray before, make us uncomfortable. Bring us out of our comfort zone. Help mm -hmm. us, Jesus, to be, to be you, to look more like you. We need you. We're weak. We don't have the strength to look like you. It's hard. The flesh is just hard. And so, Father God, I ask that your Holy Spirit will give us the strength to look more like your son, Jesus. And I thank you, and I thank you, and I praise you for saving my life and for saving all of our lives. Mm. Help us to become one. Change our stories. Help our stories to be different next year this time. Help our church to multiply. Help us to look more like your church that's in heaven. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for saying yes to the cross. And we pray all these things in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Yeah, you guys show your thankfulness to Roe and what she's, she's doing. I want to tell you a couple more ways this morning if you're looking to get involved. Uh, one that's happening this week. Uh, we're going to be doing Trunk or Treat over at Gateway Elementary. It's become really one of the, the mainstays of what we do every year. It's such a, an awesome event. Instead of just doing a Trunk or Treat for our kids and your friends, uh, we decided, you know what, what if we partner with a local school? And so they do a thing called Spooktacular Reading on that night, and it's a big reading program they do. And so when all those kids are finished and those families are finished, they come out and they join our families in doing a, a Trunk or Treat and kind of some fall festivities out there, and they get candy, way more candy than any person needs, but we just want to give them that. And so uh, you can be involved in that this Wednesday. Uh, we'll be setting up probably around 5 o'clock. The event starts at 6, and so if you're just getting off work and you don't have time to go dress up, that's fine. Just come anyway. You can also donate uh, books and uh, candy. You could bring that today, or you can stop by the office anytime this week between now and Wednesday and drop that off as well. And then uh, I want to let you know that if you're a partner here, uh, part of what we we do is we love to be and live into this wild generosity, and so we invite you to give today as well. We, we think that is part of worship, and so again, the more we've been blessed, the more we get to bless things like Gateway, and we're going to be at Halloween in the Park this week, this uh, Saturday as well, and so lots of things that we want to again put, uh, put the, your offerings, your tithes toward as we go, so uh, a couple more ways to be involved there. All right, guys, we are in, we're kind of winding down uh, the chase, and so I'm going to ask a big, bold question out of the gate here. Uh, what's on your mind? this morning. Now, I'm not going to ask you to shout that out because some of you don't need to shout that out. We're in a public place. There's kids around, that sort of thing. But what do you think about? What's your normal day's routine when it comes to your mind? What do you let in? When you wake up in the morning, like what's, what's typically on your mind first? Now, I got to tell you, mine is typically this. I wonder if Lori made coffee. She gets up and leaves before I do, and, and so I always wonder, like, oh, I wonder if she made coffee. So I, I get up before I do anything else, before I use the restroom for anything. I usually go around, and I see if the little blue light on the coffee maker is open. So that's kind of what enters my mind. And then from there, that goes a couple different ways. Like, oh, man, she didn't make coffee. Now I've got to make coffee. Or she made coffee. She is the best wife ever. I don't have to stop, stop at Starbucks this morning. And so then from there, there are things that begin to fill my mind. 
And I'm guessing you're the same way. You're like, oh, I got to do this. Okay, I've got this waiting at the office. There were some emails that came in late last night. I need to make sure I get to those first. Oh, I, and I've got to check Facebook to make sure there was nothing happened through the night that just is uber important that I need to check. And then I go from there to Instagram because I want to know what my mom's doing, but I also want to know what, you know, like students are doing. So I got to go there as well. And so I go to these multiple places. And so that's kind of my morning routine. And then depending on what my time looks like after that, I begin to work through my day. And so what does your day compile of? What is it that you kind of give space to in the midst of your day as the day goes, as you begin to catalog? And I'm guessing if your day is like mine, your mind typically starts a little bit more uncluttered. And then as the day goes, depending on how your day goes, it becomes more and more and more cluttered. So what happens by the end of the day, there's been all this stuff that accumulates in my thoughts and in my mind, and then all of a sudden I've got some anxieties that come with that, and I'm rescheduling some things, and I'm maybe short with some relationship things, and all these things begin to hinge off of that. And so I'm guessing that by the end of the day, or most of your days, this probably is a pretty accurate description of your mind. Anybody? The rest of you are liars. But most of us live like this. And what we allow to plug into ourselves and what we plug into in our mental capacities, in our heart, what we give attention to, what we give capacity to, what we give allowance to, ends up like this. Now, here's the problem with this. There's multiple problems, but one is this. Is that this affects real-life stuff. Let me give you an example. I plug into Facebook, and depending on what I plug into, what comes off of that either sets me in a good mood or a bad mood. If I see something on social media that sets me off for the day, guess what you do? You carry that into the office, whether you realize it or not, because your mind now is already thinking about something that has ticked you off has probably said, you know what, I can't wait till I get my lunch hour because I'm going to type them back and I'm going to start a keyboard war that is going to be second to none. You better watch out, Facebook, because I may not be bold in person, but you put a keyboard in my hand, here we go. And I know I harp on social media a lot, but I just feel like that most of us, we get ticked off and set off and tipped off on social media more than anything, and we choose to plug in there. For some of us, we plug in too and we go, well, there's a relationship that's not great, but because I'm afraid to live without that relationship, I'm going to let it plug into me each day. And as the day goes, you find yourself going, I really hope they don't call today. I hope they, that would be nice. But they're going to because that's what they do. And then before you know it, again, you've allowed them to plug into multiple places. And all of a sudden, you find yourself short in some other relationships that you shouldn't be. But they're getting the root or they're getting the fruit of your root, right? They're not the one. The person who sits beside you in the office, they're not the one that's dragging the toxicity into your life. But someone else that you've allowed to plug into you is. And so guess what? You just begin to hate people altogether. And you, you have these moments where people are like, hold up, I didn't do anything to you. Yeah, but so-and-so did, you know, because I let them have capacity. I gave them space. That space begins to what? Affect the outflow of the current. So the inflows and the outflows. And I could, I could go through something. Each of you have something. 
So I started to trace everything back this week as I began to kind of think about what's plugged into my life, what's plugged in, what is it that I give space to, what is it that I also not only give space to, but as I began to look what I plug into, I found something that as I traced it all back, it all comes back to. It comes back to me. That 98% of the things that's taken juice from me or juice me up, set me on edge, or excite me. Most of those things get traced back to me. Now, here's what I'm talking about. They begin and end with me. They are me-centric thoughts. And we don't realize it because we do it so much. We create habits. But they're me-centric. I've got to check the score of my team. I have to make sure that the stock market held overnight. I. And so I began to plug these things. I allow these outlets. It's so all of a sudden, it's my ideas. It's my desires. It's my wants that turn into my actions. Then they become my, 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 my struggles. They become my issues. And everybody else needs to know about my issues. And everybody else is going to feel the effects and the wrath of my issues. And it's all about me. And the problem then is that what begins to manifest itself from this is things like this, arrogance. And you know people who, again, they expect you to plug into them because they have put themselves on such a pedestal. So arrogance is bred in this. Fear. I'm afraid something might happen to me. I'm afraid something might happen to my family. I'm afraid that, you know what, my job may not last. I'm afraid my health. I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. And so fear begins to manifest itself. Exhaustion. Panic. We know that our day is going to end up looking like this, and we just panic before the day ever begins because there's way more than, than I'll ever get to, and there's way more things that's going to be expected of me and wanted of me, and there's going to be people as soon as I get to the office that are going to be pulling me in every direction. And so we leave the house in the morning, not even facing our day, already in a complete panic. And if we're not, we get on the interstate, and then it's all games off. But again, it's all about me. I'm not being able to travel fast enough, and they're not doing what I want them to do. They're not traveling at the speed. I would have used my signal, but they didn't. And, it, and again, you see what I'm saying? These rhythms, it's all about me. And here's the problem as well. In time, and some of you are going to relate to this, in time, we will short circuit if we continue to stay plugged into some of these things. We will exhaust ourselves. We will burn a fuse we will short out, and it will show up in, in these various ways because we're not made for this. We're not made to handle this. We're not made to have this many things plugged into us and us plugged into all of these things. And what happens is we begin to short out, and then we begin to say, you know what, I don't really need God. I don't have to be dependent on God. I got my plugs. I got some power strips, and I got everything in order. And so we can't handle these things. And here's why. We're not sovereign. Now, that's a big churchy word. We're not sovereign, but God is. God is sovereign. We're not capable of completely controlling and ruling ourselves and being fully aware of all of these things. We're not capable of controlling all of these things. 
And if we try to control everything that plugs into us, we will eventually get to a place where we will get chased down and we will drain ourselves and we will drain all of our resources, all of our assets. We will get to a place where controlling everything and the desire to control everything because it benefits me somehow will completely zap us. I'm guessing that some of you are there today. So what do we do with this? How do we begin to deal with these kinds of things? How do we get to a place where, you know what, I can't control everything. And so what is it that I've, I'm going to allow myself to plug into today? What am I going to allow myself to, to, to plug into in a way that will give me some sort of calm to the chaos that will allow me to do that? Now, if we're not careful in this, this out-of-control mess will create two big things. It most often manifests itself in fear and anger. If anybody knows a fearful, angry person, my guess is it's because they are fearful and angry that they can't control everything they're plugged into. They can't control everything that is plugged into them, and it's due to having too many things. So, we got to get grips on this. God is sovereign, and we're not. So in order to alleviate this, in order to somehow untangle this rat's nest, the only thing I know to do is begin to unplug, start fresh, and say, okay, God, you've got my full attention because I can't control all this. And it is making me angry. It is making me anxious. It is making me fearful. It is making me hate life and people and work and social media and everything else that's plugged. I can't. So today is one big unplugging because we're not sovereign. So in order to keep us from getting chased to this place, there's something that has to give. There's something that has to happen. And here's the good news for the morning is that we can do things, see things, become aware of things different. We can keep from absolutely blowing our fuse. And Paul begins to shed some light on this. Romans chapter 12, here's what he says. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So, he says, renew your mind. Unplug what currently runs through your mind, all tracing back to you, and begin to replug some things. He says, be transformed into a renewed way of thinking. This leads then to perception change. It's how we see the world and therefore how we interact with it. If you go back, go back to verse 2 for just a second. 
Verse 2, if you kind of read the end of that, he says, he says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he uses a word. He says, then you will be able to test. You'll be able to plug in, plug out. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So I'm going to throw out the big thought of the day. And this is a game changer thought. And for some of you, you're going to go, I'm not sure that's an accurate thought. I'm not sure that's a, a, a plausible thought. I'm not sure that's a feasible. I'm not sure that's an obtainable thought. So here is the big idea of the day. You can have God's perception. Now, hopefully we'll connect a few of these things. You can be made aware you can begin to see and hear and think and operate and act and experience with the perception of God. Now, guys, I tried to rework this a thousand times this week into something that was way more Twitter appropriate, not that anybody uses Twitter anymore, that would somehow go, whoo, that's a, that, now that's, and I couldn't come up with anything better than this that relates what Paul is talking about here. Paul, when he says that do not be transformed or conformed to the world, he says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's saying you can think like God. Now, I'm not talking about being God. That picture a minute ago, that's us trying to be God. But he says you can begin to perceive like God. God. And I know that sounds far-fetched. That sounds like a pipe dream. You're going, that's just a big wish and a wonder, Jason. There's no way. You know, I am who I am. And I just think what I think. And I've been taught what I've taught. And so therefore, you just get what you get. No, he says, Paul says, no, you can begin to renew your mind so that then you will know what? You can test and you'll know what God is thinking. You'll know what his will is, and you can begin to live into that. He says, if you chase that vision, if you chase his vision, if you chase his desires, if you begin to chase what he, he, he wants from you, he says, Get, there's a way. There's a way that you, when it comes to all these things that are going to bombard you through the day, that's going to try to plug in and out of you, and that you're going to try to plug in and out of, he says, yes, there are going to be things in life that do that. The plugging process is going to happen tomorrow, but the way you see it, the way you're made aware, the way you deal with it, the way you experience it can be different. How? Depending on how it is and what it is that you're plugged into. He says, so therefore, plug yourself into this new mind. Plug yourself into this new perception. Begin to see things as God sees things. And so guess what? All of a sudden now when I go to plug into social media, I go, wait, I'm going to have the perception. I'm going to try to perceive like God sees here. Or when I go to that toxic relationship, I'm going to go, okay, I want to I I enter into that knowing that I'm already plugged in and there's already a process. I've got to go to work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But I'm going to perceive things. I'm going to be made aware of things. I'm going to view things. I'm going I'm to hear things. I'm going to act upon things. How? With this renewed mind, I'm going to I'm going to seek God's mind. And so all of a sudden, I begin to evaluate everything that's plugging into me and everything that I'm plugging into with how would God see this? How would God respond to this? How is it that God would navigate this really ugly, messy, unavoidable situation? 
And I begin to, to cycle all those things, almost like a big power strip. I begin to, to cycle those things through instead of me trying to find another outlet in the mess that I've created. How is it that I can cleanly plug into and see what God sees in this moment? And again, I get it. It seems like a far-fetched thing, but God promises it. He promises it. Paul writes a letter to the, to the Corinthian people, and one of the things that he tells them is he says, listen, you can begin to see things through God's wisdom, see things through God's eyes. He says you can see things as God sees them. You're not stuck having to navigate the world finding another plug-in. No, he says there's something you can plug into, or better yet, that will plug into you that will shape how you see things, therefore shape how you experience things that will shape how you see things, therefore will shape how you interact with things. He says, I, I can't promise you there's not going to be a rat's nest that forms, but you can see it differently. If you don't believe me, look what he says to the Corinthian people in, in 1 Corinthians 2. And what Paul's speaking of here, if we had time to really unveil this whole context, he's saying that let me tell you about God's wisdom. He said, God's wisdom is being revealed to us, for us, so that we can experience it through the Spirit. So here's what he says. Pick up in verse 9. He says, it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed. Look at this. So if we want to know these things, he says, God has revealed those things. He's made those things aware and available to you, what? To us by his Spirit. He says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And some of you are like, thank God that the only person that knows my thoughts is the, the spirit within me because I don't want that to be known. But he's saying, listen, the Spirit is getting into these deep thoughts and wants and desires and longings and views and, and all these things of God. He said, in the same one, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but what have we received? We have received the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by us by human wisdom, but words taught by what? The Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but what? Considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they discern only through the Spirit. But the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. How? as the mind of God, but such a person is not subject to merely human for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. And then here it is. But, I told you before, I love God's buts. Man, when he says but, there's something good coming for, for us. But we have the mind of Christ. Paul says, you don't have to live like this. He says it starts with you unplugging, you renew your mind, and then he says, there's a gift that has been given to you. Jesus talks about this gift. He says, it's better for me to go so that God's Spirit can come. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Spirit can come on you because in that you're going to be able to, oh, life is going to open up in some ways. 
And then now all of a sudden, Paul begins to shift this. He says, you want to know about the wisdom of God? You want to know how to keep life from getting to this tangled mess? He says, begin to live life through the Spirit. Because the Spirit's going to reveal to you the mind of God. The Spirit is going to make it possible for you to have the mind of Christ. And when you begin to take on the mind of Christ, all this changes. Now, all of a sudden, Facebook is way less quick to set me off. And that person that sits across from you who not only clicks their pen all day and does all sorts of stuff, but smells and you can't, you know what, I've just had enough. I hate my job. I'm worth way more than this. All of a sudden, you begin to what? Perceive that differently. That toxic relationship that you may need to just work through some things because maybe you're adding just as much toxicity to it as they are. That's what's going to empower you to do that or to give you the courage to get out of that. All of a sudden, what? Your perceptions, the way you see things, the way you process things begin to take place. Why? Because we have been given the opportunity to plug into the mind of Christ. Now, he shows us what the mind of Christ looks like for those that are wondering. He writes a, a letter to the, to the Philippian people. He says, you want to know what, what the mind of Christ, this gift that you've been giving, this unique opportunity to replug? Here's what he says as he kind of opens up this letter to the Philippians. He says, in your relationships with one another. Now, life is about relationship, right? So he says, really, in life, in life, he says, have the same mindset. There's that, that promise that we've been given. Have the same mindset as Christ. Well, what's that look like? Well, here it is. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to who? To God the Father in death, even death on the cross. Now, I told you as I traced all this stuff back, it was me. My wants, my desires, my fears, my chases, my, my anxieties, my struggles, my successes, my, 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 my. And now we begin to work through this. We say, okay, I've got, to, I've got to shift my mind, the way I think, to begin to perceive like God. Was that even possible? Yes. We've been promised you can perceive and think and have the mind of Christ. How? Through the Spirit. How do we get the Spirit? Well, we become a believer. So now we've got all these things in place. And so here's what happens. We shift the me perception where everything runs through me. Everything runs back to me. My needs, my wants, my fears, my arrogances, my prejudices, my need to control everything, where again, it ends up in this jumbled mess where all of a sudden I find myself chaotic, fear-based, abusive, destructive, control. I shift that to a God perception where he's in control. And here's what the mind of Christ as it is displayed in Philippians, here's what that does. It submits. It submits. It, 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 the renewed mind doesn't perceive itself as equal to God, being able to control all of this. No, he says, I'm just going to submit it all to God. Guys, do, you, do, you, do we get the freedom in that? Do you realize that it's possible to live in a chaotic culture and not live in chaos? It's possible to plug into things and have things plug into you without them completely short-circuiting your day. But it all comes when I wake up and I go, hey, I'm going to have a renewed mind today. And I'm going to see things like God sees them. 
And part of that is me being submissive as Christ was submissive. And I'm going to take the, what, role of a servant today. And I'm going to begin to see people as not something to be used and manipulated, but I'm going to see people as what? As God sees people. Something to be cherished and loved and given grace and extended mercy. And then we begin to backtrack all that stuff back and we go, you know what? I'm going to, to then act upon having this mind of Christ. And I'm going to become obedient, not in some ball and chain way, but no, I'm going to be obedient to what God, because I understand obedience is not a ball and chain. No, obedience brings about freedom because it's going to help me navigate. It's going to help me navigate and sidestep some things that God doesn't want me to be a part of, not because God doesn't want to have fun, not because God is trying to suck all of the fun out of my life. No, he's trying to help you navigate around some things that's going to bring about pain, pain that will last past the moment of pleasure. He says all of these things, there's freedom found in those things. And so we shift. Now, here's what this shift does. When I move from me perception to God perception, it changes the chase completely. What I chase and what I allow to chase me completely changes the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves, the way we see our issues, the way we see our problems, the way we see our relationships, all shifts. But it only happens when we unplug, when we replug, when we renew, when we reframe. Now, I'm going to say one more thing about what we saw earlier in this. The natural mind, when I ask you earlier, what are you thinking about? I'm going to guess that 99.9% of us thought about something And I'm guessing it fits in one of these two categories because the natural mind does this. The natural mind chases self-gratification and self-preservation. My guess, what you thought of, was something that was either going to bring you satisfaction, lunch, I hope we get out early so that we can, you know, get to the Mexican restaurant before everybody else does. You were thinking about the game. You were thinking about somehow, you know, doing something around the house today that's been needed to get done, you can get that off the list. And when you get that off the list, you get people off your back. Or we think about something that is self-preserving. Man, I got a lot to do tomorrow. If I don't get that done, you know what? I'm going to have to work overtime, but I got to do that because I got to make that bonus check and that bonus check is going to depend on whether or not we get to go to Disney or not. And all these things begin, it's, per, it's self-preservation. Self-gratification or self-preservation. But God says, you know what? The renewed mind shifts that. For now, all of a sudden, life becomes about adoration, glorification, and transformation. And he says, that's where I want you to live. A few weeks ago, we, we laid out something that, you know, we said, you know, we want to be these things. For anybody that's wondering, you know, how are we going to navigate and what are we doing and why do we do things? We laid out, and all of these point back to a godly perception. You heard things like this. We said, you know what? We're better together. You heard me say that just a minute ago with Bro. We're better together. And here's what I mean by that. In a world that is dead set on division. And guys, if you don't think that's the case, you have not seen anything until you live out the next 14 months. And we as a church, we'll have a choice in that. We can decide we're either better together or we can let what's coming 14 months from now completely rip us apart. How will we do that? goes back to what we're plugged into. Am I plugged into a me perception where it's about self-preservation? Oh, and there'll be be people on both sides of the fence, right? Well, if I don't, you know, life's over for me. If if so-and-so gets in, it's life over for us. 
oh, we're not safe, you know, and all these things, self-preservation. Or we can say, no, we're going to have a renewed mind. We're going to be better together. We, th- we heard things like living generous in a world full of consumers. This godly perception allows us to live. You guys realize generosity is not a natural thing. It's a natural thing to be selfish. Give me. I need to, to store up in barns. We heard things like risk-taking in a world that is, again, preoccupied with safety and security. Risk-taking. We heard things like, you know what, I'm going to worship God passionately. What makes, that, what makes that possible in a world full of idols? A renewed mind, a renewed perception that, you know what, worship is not about what I want and even what I like sometimes. I love the lyric of that just a minute ago where it says, you know, even when I don't feel you or see you, I know you're working. That's how you step into worship passionately. Because if it's only about what we see and what we get and what we feel, then guess what? It all goes back to a me thing. How is it that we're going to begin to shape cultures? We said, you know what? We're going to be a church that shapes cultures in a culture that tells me and sells me on who I am and what I'm supposed to be. Now, when I begin to take on a God perception, what begins to happen? I begin to shape cultures. I begin to allow God, through, through the Spirit, begin to shape my cultures. You don't like the culture you've created at home? Then guess what? Take on a God perception and see what happens. We begin to become culture shapers, multiplying and creating community, what we talked about with Roe, in a world of gated subdivisions and increasing sense of isolation. See, a God perception, a renewed mind, begins to say, no, I'm going to create a multiplying, a welcoming, a home for people who feel those kinds of things. We're going to be inclusive in those kinds of things, putting Jesus at the center in a world that believes the world should and does and deserves to revolve around me. No, the God perception says, no, put Jesus at the center. And it only comes when we begin to unplug, replug, reframe, and renew our mind. So I've said all that to say as we kind of land this, What's all this, what's, what's, what's the bottom line? I mean, Jason, give me, give me one or two things I can take out of here this morning because you've said a lot. And I get that some of this is thick and you got to really chase this for a minute. But is this even possible? Is it possible for me, starting today, this afternoon, tomorrow, to really begin to think and perceive differently? Because, Jason, I'm telling you, you think this was a mess. You should see my mind. You should see my heart. You should see my tomorrow. Because I'm telling you, man, the plugs would run. I, I, I just don't know how to even practically begin. to. Un, I, I don't know what to do. So let me give you two quick words. Number one, it comes down to choices. You've got to choose this. You've got to choose this. You've got to decide, starting now, starting in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and declare that today I will think differently in order to be empowered to act differently. You may say, I don't know how I'm going to, and you fill in the, I don't know how I'm going to handle them when I see them at work. Well, it's going to start with you declaring, today I will think differently. And so it comes down to these choices. It comes down to declaring, I choose transformity, which I know is not a word, but I need it to rhyme. I'm going to choose transformity over conformity. I'm going to choose to let God transform me versus just stepping back into a world that just goes with the flow. I am who I am. I do what I do. I created the hat, you know, like you get what you get. No, I'm going to look in the mirror and I'm going to declare that today, God, I'm going to let you transform me. And it starts with me choosing to think differently. 
I love the sensitivity and the, the, you know, Paul in this moment, he writes later in, or earlier in Romans, he says, you know, I'm going to paraphrase. He says, I know what to do, but I don't do it. The things I hate to do is what I end up doing. I know I don't want to do. And he, he says things like he says, you know, I understand for what I, I don't want to do, I do. And what I do want to do, I, I don't do. And I do, you know, and he, he shows us this, this picture of humanity. Because he knows what, this is not easy stuff. It's a human situation. And, and, and he says, so here's what I'm going to do. And this is the bottom line to choices. Because some of you made some bad choices. I made some bad choices. We'll make some bad choices. The end of that in Romans 7, here's what Paul says. So here's what I'm going to do, because I do things I don't want to do, and I do things that I hate to do, and the things I hate I do, and the things I know I should be doing I don't do. But he says, I'm going to do the next right thing. And so for some of you, starting today, starting tomorrow, this week, just choose to do the next right thing. And then it comes down to this. It comes down to changes. What changes are you willing to make? Are you willing to unplug? Guys, some of you for the next 30, 60, 90 days, you need to give up social media. You need to give up stopping to seek love in the wrong places. You need to give up. You need to unplug. And you name it. But what are we willing to change? What are we unplugging in order to renew? Because culture makes this difficult, and it tells us that, you know what, you can have and should have everything you want. If you want it, you deserve it. Go get it. Become it. Take it. And with this God thing, here's what he's saying. I want you to be more in love with Jesus than you are culture. And there's a second caveat to that. Trusting that Jesus will direct me in bringing about cultural change. Guys, if we ever want to change ourselves, if we ever want to change the world we live in, we can't love the world. That's what Paul says. Don't be conformed to this world. Instead, change this world. How you do that? Well, you do that by renewing your mind. Instead of just finding more capacity and more places for people to plug into you and rob and steal and drain you, take on the mind of Christ. Because when you step into that and you trust that, that's what's going to change culture. If you will, stand with me. So here's my question. Starting right now, what choices do you need to make? You know, it starts with choosing Jesus. And everything's going to move from there. As Jesus said in, of, his, of his own self in Philippians chapter 2, he says, you know, I'm going to choose to become obedient, even death, even death on the cross. I'm going to submit my, even the son said, I'm going, to, I'm going to take on the mindset to submit myself to God the Father. For some of us in here this morning, that's, that's the first step. We've not done that. So guys, I ask you this morning, if that's you, if you've not put your trust in Jesus, if you've not put your salvation and your hope and your rest in Jesus, make that the step today. For some of you, you've done that, but you've forgotten along the way what God has done for you. And now all of a sudden, again, you look at your life and go, I'm not even sure I can untangle this. I'm not even sure God can untangle this. Kind of encourage you to reach in as deep as you can to the plug and just unplug it all. And then begin to renew what it is that you allow space and capacity. And as you add things back, so I'm going to add them with the perception of God, using God's view.
for some of us, you know what? We just need to get to that place where we go, I just need to be obedient. I do the things that I don't want to do, and I do the things I know I shouldn't be doing, but you know what? I just got to make better choices. And that's what I pray today. God, help us to renew our minds. Our minds get us in trouble. Our minds lie to us. Our hearts deceive us. God, what we allow into our minds, even in the wee hours of the early morning when we're starting our day, it affects our days if we're honest. God, some of us are angry people because we start our days off letting angry things into our life. For some of us, we are no good when we get home because we've just allowed, again, everything to, to come through our lives. And the way that we sort through that, the way we muddle through that is with me, I, I, I got to control this. I got to change this. I got to do this. I don't like that. I don't like this. God, can we stop that and just say, God, will you work through me today? Will you help me to love the unlovable? Will you help me to handle the workload that is about to kill me? Will you help me navigate the relationship? Will you keep me off this? Will you help me step into that? God, will you begin to cycle those things through a God perception? God, you don't promise things that you don't deliver. You don't promise things that you don't intend on giving. Will you give us the mind of Christ? Because that will shape everything about what we chase and what we allow to chase ourselves. So God, help us to do that. Help us to trust that real change, whether it's individually, collectively, or culturally, will only come when we begin to take the perception of you and your son. Thank you for the spirit that allows all of this to be made possible. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. At this time, we're going to invite you to take communion together. If you're not a partner or member here, that's fine. It's not our table. It's the Lord's table. And so we're going to end today just taking that communion together. So at this time, if you will, uh, move and navigate with friends and family. You can stay put if you want. They're going to do a song. But just take communion together, realizing that we are better together.